0: I'm an independent podcaster, and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everyone, Steve Ray Morris here with a long awaited long awaited, not really. uh <laughs> necessary I don't know what the right word is. Um fun maybe that's the right word with a fun raptor reactions uh coming at to you hot hot post opening weekend of fallen kingdom again i'm your host Stephen ray morris this is c jurassic right and this is a raptor reactions episode these type of episodes have been happening a lot more lately but i think they're a lot of fun really get in on the ground and kind of just the raw the raw energy the raw power of you know what i think about whatever the topic is so Obviously, I've done a Fallen Kingdom Reactions episode, but that was post first and second viewing. Um, when I first saw it, for, for those who are catching up, uh, I first saw the movie here in Los Angeles. Uh, v- last minute screening before I went to London to go see it um, proper, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, but obviously, wasn't going to say no to get an invite to see it early and to see it earlier than that. Oh, my gosh, the helicopters are coming after me uh, in is coming after me. It's totally fine. Um, so flash forward. Um, I also did a Raptor reactions episode celebrating the 25th anniversary of Jurassic park and kind of my observations. That was a really fun episode. It makes me really want to do more episodes like that where, uh, I just watch the movie and share my thoughts about it. No, but like, you know, kind of like a list of like kind of new or, or maybe not, you know, just, just watching a movie with fresh eyes really helps, I think, if, if it's a movie that you've grown up with. Sometimes really just kind of – because, you know, that's the thing we do all the time, right, is we watch a movie uh, that we love, but it's kind of like on the background. Maybe we're on our phone. Maybe we're doing laundry. So uh, I went and watched Jurassic Park again to celebrate its 25th anniversary and kind of just discovered a lot of new things about it. And so that was really fun. So go back and listen to those. Um, go back and listen to my episode with Perry Nemiroff and Ash Uh, That was like a pre-Fallen Kingdom episode, but there's so much fun to hear Perry and Ash talk about their Jurassic origin stories and to hear, you know, listeners talk about what they were hoping to happen in Fallen Kingdom and stuff. And Hey, some of it came true. Some of it didn't, um, which is exciting. Um, Also, thank you to everyone who um, has uh, subscribed on Patreon. There's going to be a bunch of new stuff coming out soon. Post Jurassic June. It's been a crazy month. Um, you know, post-mini-sode, all this stuff. I'm really looking forward to the Fallen Kingdom episode proper. I pushed it back a week, mostly because I just wanted more time to see it, more people to see it, and can really dig into what those, um, we can really dig into it as far as what it means. And I think this episode is going to be really fun because uh, I asked the group, C uh, Jurassic Right Facebook group, C Jurassic Right podcast um, basically if they just wanted kind of like a spoiler discussion thread of an episode. And so I asked a lot of people, Hey, what kind of questions, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to hear? And so I think this episode's gonna be really fun because we're going to really just dive into the nitty gritty of spoilers. So again, spoilers, um, don't listen to this cause we're going to really dive into all the big questions. Um, and so I think, but I think this will be a great episode to listen to, um, you know, along with episode fourteen, the episode proper um, that I'm working on to come out next week. That's really going to trace the journey, my own journey, of seeing this movie uh, seven times now, um, and kind of all the misadventures and adventures that have come along the way. And but this is more of a on the ground response. Again, thank you to everyone who submitted questions. Um, yeah, I think we should just dive in again. Uh, yeah, so I just basically took questions on you know Instagram and Twitter and the Facebook group um, to get into *Fallen Kingdom*, *Jurassic World*, *Fallen Kingdom*, the fifth film in the Jurassic Park franchise, directed by J. A. Bayona. Uh, yeah, I think let's just dive in. I okay, just just from the outset, I felt like the big questions were about Macy, the Macy reveal, um, Hammond and Lockwood, kind of in conjunction with that, um, Isla Sorna, aka Site B. And Claire's character slash sequels and stuff. So, um, uh, and again, the uh, uh, the episode fourteen, the proper Fallen Kingdom episode, the you know the the tastefully done episode will come out um, July fifth. So look out for that. But we're just going to dive into some questions. But actually, before we dive into questions, I had a fun thing to think about um, because. In Fallen Kingdom, they the uh, Wheatley and his crew, as instructed by um, the nefarious Eli Mills. Um, I call him the Ted Bundy of, uh, or the Patrick Bateman of um, businessmen. I guess if you want to say that. Well, I guess Patrick Bateman is a businessman, but from American Psycho. But uh, there, I kept commenting. There's something very serial killer esque about Eli Mills, where he's got that, you, you know. Especially, you know, working on my favorite murder, they're always talking about these killers who kind of have to like, or or psycho- sociopaths or psychopaths again. Sorry if I don't know the exact definition between them, but um, where is, where you know you can see them kind of readjusting themselves to because they don't know how to actually be human, so they have to kind of put their fit their mask on. And I really love what Rafe Spall was doing with that, where he was kind of like, you know. And, and you can kind of see that humanity shedding away in a very fun, cartoonish kind of way that I really, I thought was really fun. Um, so they instruct, you know, they have to get on the ship, the Arcadia, to bring the dinosaurs to Lockwood Manor, Lockwood Mansion, I keep wanting to call it, I think because of Jurassic Outpost. I think that's what all the spoiler picks were calling it early. So um, I keep wanting to call it um, Lockwood Mansion. Yeah. Um, but so they're transporting all the dinos, but then at the very end of the movie, you you know you see that there are compies too, and it's just such a funny thought because they don't really show them catching compies; they just show compies on the island and then compies at you know at the very end at Lockwood Manor, um, at the movie when uh, you know Mr. Mills gets his comeuppance, but. Um, I just had a funny thought of, like, somebody being instructed to, like, round up and throw all the compies in a sack, like, or, or as somebody suggested, maybe they put them in cages, like, they, you know, the little cages that um, that were in the Lost World that, like, a compie was in when Ludlow was doing his little speech. Um, but, yeah, food for thought. How did the compies get on the... Uh, get on uh get to lockwood manor like uh, again i I have a you know like they just got on the boat and they just hung out you know like kind of an element from the drask park book when the raptors are on the boat but um and even elements from the uh talk about in the claire prequel novel which i'm currently finishing as we're speaking well i'm podcasting i guess but um currently as i'm as i'm uh sick right now um i've been reading um Claire, uh, the evolution of Claire novel. And there's like a lot of fun stuff in there about the original Jurassic World. But anyway, we're getting off topic. Let's get to some questions. So the first one is from Kristen uh, from the Facebook group. She says, do you think the reveal about Macy will play to the next movie? Or was it just So that her pushing the button at the end makes sense. I feel like it was such a huge bomb to drop that they didn't really go anywhere with it. So I agree. They don't go anywhere with it because I think it's a setup for the future of the franchise. I think really that's the twist of the movie. That's the big, um, you know, the kind of in the Jurassic World, the twist was that the Indominus Rex was part raptor. And so I would say that the twist... For this, you know, and I guess what is the twist in Jurassic Park? The twist is that the dinosaurs are breeding. The twist is that the Rexy comes back and saves the day. I guess those are kind of twists. I more mean, ex machina kind of, or the Rexy coming back kind of. But um I definitely think it makes that moment so beautiful at the end where Macy, I mean, it's to me, it's what makes this movie like, I, I, I'm i just going to say up front, I think this movie is, is the best Jurassic Park since the original um, hands down, you, just for that moment. It's so poetic and beautiful. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that moment as because I know some other questions about it. But um, I definitely think that's just teeing up uh, for stuff that's going to play out in the next movie and future franchises. Because I think throwing and cloning is such a... S- cloning humans, I should say, makes perfect sense when you think about one of the first moments in Jurassic Park when they get to the island is John Hammond when he's about to start his movie where it kind of explains the science behind Jurassic Park it has that whole moment where he's cloning himself hello John hello John and so the idea that they're calling back to that moment with introducing this element I think it was so brilliant and so unexpected and so exciting and it just I think it makes sense in a Crichton universe when you know when you're when you're talking about genetic technology and I think um I think it totally fits. I mean, I think, and I think it's, it's that element of adding stakes because I think, um, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be easier for some people to care about dinosaurs. Now that you care about a human being as well, who's wrapped up in it. So I'm, I'm just imagining adventures with blue and, and Macy in the next one really. And I'm all down for that. And so Maddie, um, who I had the pleasure of hanging out with and meeting when she came out to LA for the screening that we went to the Fallen kingdom thing that we all had together and, And the trivia night, which was such a blast. Thank you to everyone who uh, came. If you're listening, thank you so much. If you're not listening, thank you so much. It was amazing. Um, Again, I'm looking forward to kind of breaking all that stuff down in the proper episode 14 uh, that comes out next week. But Maddie has a question. He says, are Owen and Claire Macy's legal guardians now or have they kidnapped her? And I think that's a good question. I mean uh you know uh you could go back to ludlow's lines you know like animals have right or nick van owen's like animals rights you have no right to you know steal them or whatever and ludlow's like you know we made them we own them we patented them and so is that a good question is that going to be an element of is um maybe not woo because i don't think woo cloned macy but um maybe uh you know maybe there's an element of um you know, is there going to be the corporation that, that, you know, Lockwood's corporation, are they going to try and chase after Macy for some reason? Or, or is that going to, you know, just they're like, or is it going to just be the element of like, she just lives with them now? So, um, who knows? Uh, but I mean, I think that's a, that, yeah, that, that's such a funny idea. Okay. This next question is from Aganeshka, um, who you heard from in the last episode. Um, she said, how did Claire end up such a dino activist? Does she have a past of social justice in her college days or maybe her parents are animal rights activists is she vegan is anyone in the movie vegan or vegetarian does macy grew up to be a dino activist i would like to know more about the countries and the reps who came for the auction what specific uses do they have were those actual government officials or rebel groups trying to overthrow governments was mr Eversall supposed to look like trump with that hair anyone else catch the nasty woman comment um and then Agneska has another question after this, but I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot to chew on. Obviously, Lex is vegetarian um, in the original movies. Um, I don't feel like Claire is. Is she vegetarian or vegan? I don't think so. Um, so again, speaking to the Claire novel. I think what's interesting about the difference between Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is it very much reminds me of the original Star Wars movies. I think nowadays we're used to this kind of slow, gradual character build um, in movies, whereas I think in the past, sequels jump these big time gaps and people change and things happen off screen to get to a point where they can tell a story that they want to tell in the new movies. And so... um, they kind of tee up Claire's journey to becoming, you know, a dino rights activist in the previous movie with her witnessing the death of the Apotosaur. Um, I think her experience at Jurassic world fundamentally changes her, um, in that, in those kind of ways. But what I think is really interesting, and I do want to do an episode about the Claire novel, cause I think it's really amazing for a lot of reasons. Um, besides it just being like a great, um, Book about you know it's like a YA novel and it features a lot of great uh, female friendships and Jurassic Park lore and backstory. Um, again, we're going to talk about Isla Sorna in a bit, and that kind of relates to that. But um, so there was also a lot of backstory on the Dinosaur Protection Group website, and I and I really recommend that you dive into all that. It's not necessarily essential, you know, because I think from where you see Claire at the end of Jurassic world to where she is at the beginning, I think you can really draw those parallels out. But I also understand that, um, it's not really common these days for movies to kind of make these kind of leaps. And so I think it, 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 even rewatching it, you, you find glimpses of the old Claire in the movie that I really like, whether where she's like chair or when she kind of sterns up at Owen, when he just says he doesn't want to help. And then she's like, no, your flight is you know? So it's like the Claire of both movies is the same person, but that she's been fundamentally changed by this. And, and I think if you read the novel, when she started out as a, so, uh, um, political science major in college and she interned at Jurassic world. And, um, she really started from the point of animal rights and, and her time in the system kind of corrupted her. And so, you know her her, by the end of Jurassic world, she's kind of come full circle back to more to who she was. Um, and so, you know, I think that has a lot to do with where her character is at in the movie. And I kind of love the detail of the movie starting out with her in heels. And then as just a, as a fun nod to, um, you know, the, just that kind of controversy. Um, and I, you know in a way that is like all right you know and then they kind of move on but um you know like okay like we're not going to she's grown as a person she's not going to she, she you know she's a, a she's no longer a businesswoman uh, a, a business person and and is wearing sensible shoes um so does macy grow up to be a diner rights activist i mean i sure as hell would assume so Um, I mean, she is a, she is a dinosaur, you know, in that way she is a clone. Um, so I mean, yeah, I'm curious, but I mean, I think they're only going to jump three years, which I'm excited because Isabella Sermon is such a great actor. She really carries Fallen Kingdom in many ways. I mean, for big chunks of the movie and I'm so excited to see her. Um, see her continuing adventures. I I would hate it. To, I would hate for them to recast her, just so they could jump a bigger time jump. I would rather stay with her personally. Um, and yeah, I almost think of all those those um those auction types as kind of the gamut of scientists from other countries. You know, corrupt governments. Uh, hunters. There was a mention, which was a nice nod of the book about um, somebody there to buy their kid a baby triceratops. Um, I loved all that stuff. It was so big. It was really cool. And yeah, was Mr. Eversall supposed to look, look like Trump? I definitely think uh, that it definitely what well, he's like little mini Trump. So I could totally see that. And then I loved Wheatley's nasty woman comment. Um, you know, kind of throwing that line back at it as like, you know, and I can't necessarily speak to, I, I you know, if, if people don't like that line, I totally get it is too close to home kind of thing from the situation we're in now and all that stuff. So I totally get that. But Daniela Pinita has totally owned up to that, like totally owned the line. And it's her Instagram bio now, the The actor who played Zia. And so I, I love that line in a sense, because I think it's, it's, it's meant to, you know, we're, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to be like on Wheatley's side in that moment. I think we're supposed to be like, wow, this old fossil, you know, and, uh, what an asshole. And I think you're supposed to hate him. And that's kind of why I like Ken, Ken Wheatley as a, as a villain, because he is so deliciously hateable, you know, um, Ted Levine, who played Buffalo Bill in silence of the lambs, just really has such a great time you know he's the he's the inverse of Roland Tembo. you know he's not the noble hunter he's the great white hunter and I think he he play he is my favorite villain I think just in terms of just has so much um so many great one-liners and stuff you know um, we got your back brother um so um yeah I don't know I I and yeah I Danielle Pineda is amazing and so I'm I it's just yeah she's the best I'm so excited to see where they take her character in the next movie Um, Aganashka also asks I love Claire's activists Um, oh wait yeah oh wait no this is just her same question but in the non-spoiler thread Um, yeah thank you Um, yeah thanks everyone questions so far Um, Pamela says do you think all the references to the original deliver it Macy the elevator dumbwaiter the raptor claw tapping etc yeah I definitely think so I think I mean, I w- I would assume that I'm gonna go out of limb and guess. You know, when these filmmakers are making new like the new sequels and stuff, I imagine if you're J. Jay Bayona, if you're, um, if you're uh, Colin Trevorrow, um, you know, Emily Carmichael, who will be uh writing the third one, I imagine you're gonna sit down with those original movies and watch them and kind of you know, and maybe reread the books and stuff too, which I feel like was a, a lot influenced, especially Malcolm's appearance in this movie and really find those moments where you can slip them in. I thought it was interesting that Colin Trevorrow said in an interview with Collider, he said there were certain references that were very much um, Jay Bayona's call, you know, as a, as a director versus a writerly reference. And so I think he mentioned um, having the, um, the Ford Explorer and having the mirror shots, that was more J.A. Bayona's is doing, um, you know, so there is this mix of like, is the reference coming from the filmmaker? Is the reference coming from the writer? Is the reference coming from the studio? I mean, obviously there's a reference to Margaritaville, you know, the destroyed ruins. And so I'm definitely sure Frank Marshall's like, let's get a shot of those ruins, you know, because I have stake in Margaritaville. So we got to show it one more time. But, um, so yeah, I think it's all very deliberate and I think the dumbwaiter elevator thing was kind of a clever way to reference it without literally going back into a kitchen. You know, I think that was smart and I think fallen kingdom does that a lot where it has these kind of in, in some ways because the movie itself is very different from the rest of the other movies that by kind of having these very specific references, I think it kind of anchors it in, in the familiar when it's doing unfamiliar things. Um, Colby, um, hi Colby. Um, she says it's more of a sequel question but considering where they left off do you think that they'll then focus on adapting to living dinos and trying to get the four dinos that were sold at the auction they got the dna samples for all of them but are we going to see even more militarized dinosaurs in the jp universe um i think it's i think those are all right answers i think i think the end of the film is very symbolic i don't think we're necessarily going to see a movie where those 11 dinosaurs are tracked down we already know just from past experience that these movies do time jumps, you know, do the natural three year progression. So, um, you know, unless these dinosaurs find other dinosaurs to breed with or stuff like that, it, I, you know, these will all be kind of like old dinos by the time, um, by the time falling, uh, by the time Jurassic world three comes around. So I think, I think, you know, combined with Malcolm's, uh, VO, I think it's very much a symbolic gesture that this is going to be a world where dinosaurs and man are going to coexist in many ways, you know, um, uh, animals in the wild, uh, corporations making off with the Allosaurus, making off with the baryonyx, possibly making more, um, you know DNA samples from Wu. Uh, you know medical company. Maybe one of those companies is like a medical company that made off with them. I think it's saying that all, uh, you know the mosasaur in the ocean, and I think it's you know upsetting the ecosystem. You know the end of the movie really is the butterfly effect, and it's just kind of it's just throwing the cards on the table, being like, all right, now what are you gonna do with them? So. I think that we will. I think, you know, Colin Trevorrow has said that there's not going to be any more hybrids, uh, because at the end of Fallen Kingdom, you see the in um, the Indominus Rex's rib get destroyed. Um, so I don't think it's. But I also don't want to take his comments on the surface either, because at this point now, I mean, Blue is technically a hybrid because not not that it just has T Rex DNA in it, but that it was already kind of affected by Wu's genetic tampering because it was a much more docile Raptor or, you know, much more, um, trustworthy Raptor in some ways, cause it was kind of groomed by Owen and because it's, you know, through the, like the Mendel system or whatever, you know, it, it, it was a much, you know, it wasn't necessarily the same Raptors from Jurassic Park, you know? Yeah. Um, thanks Colby. Uh, Stephen says, uh, this is Stephen, um, who makes all the Legos and stuff in the in the Jurassic Park group? Um, he's super awesome. Um, I'm also curious to see where this is going. What will be the fall of the dinosaur release be, and how will Claire, Owen, Macy, Z and Franklin fit into it? Corralling the dinosaurs in new contained areas a recipe for disaster. But now that they're out in the open, how will they fare? How will the human population respond to this? What are the black market buyer's plans for their purchases? And will Blue's newfound freedom change the dynamic between her and Owen? And will Wu finally wear something else other than a turtleneck sweater? Hell no. I don't want to see Dr. Nefarious Dr. Henry Wu. I don't want to see him in anything else but a turtleneck sweater. Um, You know, and so again, I've kind of talked a little bit about this. I definitely think, you know, the big problem with the Jurassic Park sequels up until this point was that they always had to drag people back into the adventures versus people who are willing to go on adventures. And I think if, if we want to watch movies where we love the dinosaurs, I want to also be with characters who feel a sense of ownership, not ownership, like owning it, but like owning up to the fact that they want to be part of this and need to be part of this. And that's why I really like fallen kingdom and Jurassic world in some sense, because I think they really make our characters want to be there, want to go on these adventures for the most part other than when it's like humorous where it's like Franklin, where it's like, he means well and he doesn't want to be there, but like, we love that he doesn't like, it's fun. You know, it's fun. We root for him. He's us, you know, we're scared, but we're still going to do the right thing. Um, Which is why I love Franklin. And so I definitely think all of these characters will return. I just don't see in a world where, unless they spin off Zia and Franklin into their own movie or TV show or something like that. I just don't see a world where you wouldn't have them come back as well because I just feel like they're part of the gang now, you know. There's been a bunch of fan art of them drawn as like the Scooby Doo gang, and it's like I totally see that, you know. And it's like I want to see all of them on an adventure together because, you know, in in some ways they they really in Fallen Kingdom especially wanted to give us characters that we cared about. Like I was thinking about that because in a previous Jurassic Park sequel, Franklin or Zia definitely would have been eaten. I think this Frank- Fallen Kingdom was missing the sort of death that is random, you know, Gennaro, Eddie Carr, Udesky, and Zara, those deaths are all sort of cruel in, in many ways and sort of random and sort of, you know, you could even say, depending on the sliding scale, you know, in Gennaro in the first one, you know, all those characters in some ways don't really deserve to die, but they do get eaten anyway, because it's kind of the randomness of nature. But Fallen Kingdom doesn't really have that sort of character that, you know, doesn't deserve to die, gets eaten as a sacrifice. And so, you know, I. Th- but I think it could have easily been Franklin or Zia and, and they decided not to um, because I think they I think they're the filmmakers are adapting to the modern landscape, which is we want to watch movies where we care about the characters. And so I'm all for that, you know, and um, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go. And I just don't think they're going to... I think there's going to be some element of the movie where people want to corral the dinosaurs back. But I think we went to all this effort to get rid of the park. I don't think they're going to try and put them back. You can't put it back in the box. You know, I just don't see them doing that. Um, Thanks, Steven. Um, Okay, and so Marissa has a great question. Marissa, who shot all the photos um, at Trivia Night the other night. Again, she was amazing. Her and her sister, her sister Marlena. So she asked, you know, they talked about the... Isla Nublar eruption being an extinction level event, but aren't there still a lot of dinos on Isla Sorna? Maybe I'm forgetting something where they explain that. And then Steven jumps back in. He says, I read about that because I was curious. Apparently the dinosaurs from Isla Sorna were all transported to Nublar, and there were none left on Sipi afterwards. So yeah, so this is, and I was just having a conversation with um, my good buddy, Dak Schaefer, who you've heard from before on the music episode. And it's interesting because this is an element of the, you know, they mentioned the movie, the line, and I'm so mad because my prediction got so close to coming true, which was I wanted Claire to say the word Isla Sorna or Site beach. She didn't say either, but she was in the presence when Eli Mills says this mansion, the park, the island, Sorna, It's or some variation of that line, Sorna, when Eli Mills says it's all in the past. And so I think really that was that was our nod to site B to easel Sorna to, and then, um, test sharps book, the evolution of Claire and also the dinosaur protection group go, really go dive deep, ugh, really, um, dive deep into what happened to Sorna, which is that, um, when they were building Jurassic world, basically, excuse me, in order to kind of speed things up in order to, you know, to keep things moving, I think they didn't want to start from scratch. And so basically with, um, basically they transported all the animals off of Sorna and onto Nublar and it's heavily hinted at, especially in the dinosaur protection group material, that it was Dr. Henry Wu that created the Spinosaurus and released it on Isla Sorna as sort of an experiment, as sort of a proto Indominus Rex, you know, as sort of that. And so there's a lot more details and stuff in, in that, that, um, I will definitely point you in the direction I have the links to. I mean, if you just go in the Dinosaur Protection Group and just dive deep into the website, into the articles, you will really find a lot of those answers. Um, do I think... I mean, it's interesting because I think for normal film-going audiences, I don't think they're going to... I think they just assumed all there was one dinosaur island or they, they don't really care about Lost World and Jurassic Park 3. And I don't think they really felt the need to explain it in great detail. And I think there's something very... Um, I keep using the word poetic. I think there's just something very romantic and sad and kind of... More thematically um, tight about having one island and having it destroyed and having it connect to the first film. I think that those were all very deliberate and smart choices. Um, but for us hardcore fans, you know, that's there's an element of like, well, wait a minute, isn't there just another island with dinosaurs? But, you know, and they do acknowledge it in the film, it's in the past. And I think if you watch Jurassic World, I think you know i think because so much time has passed you can kind of just assume maybe all those dinosaurs died off or whatever you know so there's never really a concrete explanation and i would obviously love a more concrete explanation i think as a fan but i think it's just the films aren't interested in giving us that and then um you know and yeah i mean they want you to read evolution of claire and the ancillary materials and stuff and the again like i said evolution of claire is a great book so if you want to learn more about what happened to Isla Sorna. I think that book has, there's a chunk of it that kind of delves into that, which is really cool. So thanks, Marissa. Um, Nick, uh, your boy, Jurassic ask, what's your favorite part of fallen kingdom? And I keep coming back to this when blue sheds a tear. I don't know. That just, that just was like peak, um, peak, and I, and I'll, I'm going to keep talking about it a lot but the dinosaurs that as as individuals as opposed to these noble you know Jurassic Park the dinosaurs were amazing creatures but they were also unknowable beings you know metaphors of the glory of nature and all that stuff and and I think fallen kingdom is almost you know as some people have said you know the dinosaurs are cats like there's an element of personality over the top of these avian reptilian creatures there's almost a there's almost a curiosity and a personality in the sense of you know it's stiggy it's blue it's all that stuff and for me as an animal lover and as somebody who loves to imbue my cat penny lane um you know and other cats that i hang out with a lot because of the percast and just any animals i come across my friend's dogs and you know chooch and everybody it's like i love I love a world. And again, I think that's smart on the filmmaker's behalf because again, it's creating characters that we care about as opposed to, you know, we're watching a documentary walking with dinosaurs. We are these dinosaurs we love and because we know who they are as individuals. And so, uh, you know, and I think that we've seen that with the evolution of Rexy and going from, Oh, it's just a T-Rex that, you know, rescued our heroes to Rexy being kind of a, um, stubborn old lady who just, uh, bites everybody and, and also saves people at the last minute too. But, um blue crying shedding a tear i think was definitely like it just was so sublime for me and i think it was just per- you know it was perfect um and also i think just as far as like cinematic goes the indoraptor like roaring with the moon behind it i think and and you know i was kind of critical on the music before but i think that moment really sealed the deal and i i i've come really f- back around on Michael Giacchino's score. And I think that moment is just glorious. Um and I like all the small moments um in between uh in between Isla Nublar and then when they kind of ramp things up at the auction. I love the the fact of the flashbacks to to baby blue. I love Macy kind of discovering her own journey and I the end of the movie is still my favorite. The you know, Macy saving the day, you know, Claire kind of coming full circle with her journey, realizing, you know, you never had control. That's the illusion. And so, or, um, I never had respect for that power. Now it's out now. And I think at the end, Claire comes to respect that power by not letting the dinosaurs out, but we get to have our cake and eat it too. And Macy saves the day and lets the dinosaurs out and, and then going into the montage. I mean, it's just brilliant. I think it's just beautiful and it's romantic and it's, it's, I didn't know I wanted this kind of poeticism from a Jurassic Park movie, but this kind of romantic, you know, ro- there's a bit of romance in it. You know, it's not just science and, and the glory. I mean, it kind of ups the ante of like the glory of nature in a way that, you know, is unrealistic in some ways, but I, I, I don't know, man, I, I needed it. You know, a lot of people, there's so much crying in this, in this movie, and I love it. Um, And then what was, apart from Stiggy, what was your favorite new dinosaur in the film? Uh, I mean, I was so happy to see a Stygimolic and a Carnotaurus, two of my favorite dinosaurs. Um, I, You know, I love the Allosaurus' brief appearance. I think it's kind of funny. There's something kind of funny about this Allosaurus because there's two and the one where it's like, and it like tries to eat Claire and then it gets totally, you know, hit by a, by a, a meteor, no, um, a volcano rock. And then the juvenile um, Allosaurus that pops up again and the auction, I think it's just a, I've never been a huge Allosaurus fan. I always felt that the, that the, you know, the depictions of Allosaurus were always kind of generic to me before, but I really like what they did, um, for Fallen Kingdom. I think cause they had so many predators in this one. I think they really had to like find a way to differentiate it from the others. And I thought it was a smart choice. Um, what are your feelings on the Macy twist? Again, I, I talked about it a lot up front. I love it. I think it is perfectly in line with Crichton's original vision of Jurassic Park. And I feel like this movie really in, in some ways, I mean it's a much more romantic and, and fairy tale-like uh, story than other Jurassic Park movies, but I think um in some ways it's really kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of the implications of the technology and not just the dinosaurs. Um and so I think the Macy clone thing is just such a such a not a logical next step but I think it's an exciting next step. Um and I think it just opens up to a bigger Crichton type universe with more sci-fi concepts, you know, not we're going to have dinosaurs, why not why not have, have robots and and you know maybe Congo gets back into the mix and Terminal Man and we you know we get a whole Crichton universe. Like I'm so down for that. Um so thank you Nick. <coughs> Sorry I'm sick right now you guys, so hopefully it's not too annoying, but um, so this is a question from Janet. This was an email. Um, she said, Hey Jurassics, um, she said, Why are the bronto apatos high up in the volcano? These are more logically swamp critters, as in JP. Wouldn't they stay in the swamps head out in the open water rather than being high in the mountains? And why would it suffer on the dock rather than going in the water? The other one I had was with the dino's genetic material that's been escaping since the first movie. Uh, weren't there be an effective policy for dealing with rogue dinos after the f- the first pterodactyls escaped twenty years ago, and who cleaned all the dino poop out of the boat in Lockwood Estate cells? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think these are all good questions. That's from Janet. Mucho gusto, Janet. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. I think I I think ultimately, I think a lot of people are trying to make sense of Isla Nublar and the geography, and I think ultimately, it's just a cinematic invention. I don't think there's a there's going to be one coherent. I mean, we have a lot of maps, but the maps are always changing, and even. Excuse me, even Colin Trevorrow has stated that the maps that make the final cut in Fallen Kingdom are are also wrong as well, apparently. Um, So I think that's just more of a cinematic invention. I also think, but I also think that in times of natural disasters, I don't think animals are thinking logically. And I think that combined, I think that just kind of works for me because that sequence is such a roller coaster of just chaos, I think. I, I I don't think I was necessarily... And, and, you know, and also there's some element, you know, the, the Brachiosaurus and the Apatosaurus aren't swamp dwelling creatures either. That's not really necessarily accurate either from the original Jurassic Park. So, um, you know, and and I think the the Brachiosaurus, I mean, that scene is just so poetic and, you know, uh, it's scared. It's not thinking it's probably dying of smoke inhalation. So, you know, it's just so sad. And I think, I think that was the right choice and, and, you know, again, I think the thing that I'm noticing about in terms of criticism of the movie, which maybe I'm not the best person for this, but, you know, there's certain logical nitpick stuff like that, where, I mean, I don't think there's, you know, if those are the things that come to mind when you're watching the movie, I think that's perfectly valid, you know, but sometimes I feel kind of stupid because it's just not, that's not where my mind goes when I when I watch a movie. I, I feel like I'm somebody that's just so swept up in the narrative that I'm not like, you know, I think a lot of people are like, wait, why didn't they just like... Uh, push the emergency button to let the gas out and then, you know, and then the, then uh, so that the dinosaurs don't have to escape. And it's like, you know, I, I definitely think that's perfectly logical, but also at the same time, I feel like, you know, and I think that's the thing on the filmmakers too. It's like, could they create more hoops? You know, cause that's the thing listening to a lot of commentaries. There's, there's a lot of times where filmmakers are like, well, we need to do this X, Y, and Z to explain this, or we could just do this. And they just felt like, Going with the more cinematic route, and I think that's been true for Jurassic Park since day one. I mean, Dilophosaurs don't have frills or spit poison. Velociraptors have feathers. um You know, could the T Rex run as fast as it did? You know, at some point, people were like, "No, it's actually a scavenger. Visions based off movements, not real." uh Where's the? Where did the T Rex paddock? Why is there a huge drop? I mean, you know, I, I, I I see all that stuff. And I think if you're thinking about that stuff, I think it's always really great because I think asking those questions is important. And I think, um, can lead to, you know, more sound thinking and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think if you're swept up in the magic, I think that's also valuable too. And I feel like I just always, I always just end up falling, you know, the thing that I don't necessarily like, and I hate in movies is when they reuse footage from another movie and they make it look like, news footage but it's like no that's a cinematic shot you know like at the beginning of fallen kingdom where they use that like okay well here's the the security cam of of the attack on main street from the first movie from the first jurassic world um but then they cut to those like more cinematic shots of like close-ups of like people injured and i'm like you just threw a filter over that that doesn't look that doesn't look like somebody shot that footage on their iphone or like a news camera footage and those are the like it's in a weird way like film those kind of filmmaking techniques bother me more than storytelling or like logical stuff anyway but you know i I think those are really good questions to ask though um you know, and the the whole uh, policy of dealing with the dinosaurs. I mean, I think if you watch the history of Lost World and Jurassic Park three, you'll see that they've been dealing with this over the years. And then if you go to the Dinosaur Protection Group, they have all the Gene Act and how Henry Wu like was secretly making stuff, and he was stripped of his license. But then Miss Ronnie hired him again, and or no, he was stripped of his license after Jurassic World. But so there's there's been all this stuff, and and actually Hoskins, Vincent D'Onofrio's character. Uh, after the events of Jurassic Park 3, he was actually hired to clean up the pteranodons that escaped and flew to Canada or something like that. Um, so there definitely has been all that stuff. But I think, you know, up until now, Jurassic Park has been a much, a much, a very self contained universe where you kind of don't really see what the outside world thinks of the dinosaurs. And so I'm really excited at the prospect of of getting into that even more in the next one. So, um, and who cleaned up all the dino poop? I mean, I, I wonder what Franklin was doing that whole time, uh, when he got off the boat till when they found him in Wu's lab. I think maybe that's the answer. Um, so thanks, Janet. Um, Renee asks, uh, for some reason, Oh, this is a good question. For some reason, I'm really annoyed at the two hybrids that are both T-Rex and Raptor combos. I don't know why it bugs me and how to put it into words. I guess I'm wondering other people's opinion on that. Um, how Blue's T-Rex-tainted blood would then mess up with recreating a hybrid when they're both T-Rex-raptor blood. Um, so it confuses me. It's like, okay, yeah, so I see what you're saying. It's like, you know, I love that line, though, uh, or I love Zia's line. It's like he's Blue is a sock drawer in there, um, you know. Um, and how is there a fully formed interraptor when they only just harvested the bone for DNA from the Indominus Rex. Oh, no, wait, that's sorry. That's Eli's question. Who's come next, but I think it ties into this. So, um, yeah, why do? yeah. So then Eli asks, how is there a fully formed interraptor when they're only just harvested the bones for DNA from the Indominus Rex. So to clear that up, I mean, it's not clear, but you get the sense. And I think that there was something going around saying that the, that that opening sequence, which is amazing by the way, um, takes place like a year before the events of the rest of the movie. Um, but it's not really clear in the movie. I think they keep it vague. And, and yeah, I mean, I, who knows, maybe because I knew that or heard that rumor, maybe that's why it didn't bother me. But yeah, I just assumed that it'd been a while since they created the Indoraptor. And now this whole thing is happening. Like the reason why they're getting blue is because they realize that the Indoraptor is kind of a failed prototype in many ways. But also to answer um, Renee's questions, um, you know, uh, you know that it's a T. Rex and a Raptor combo. I mean, yeah, I agree too. I think, I think it's the idea that this is, you know, and and I think in many ways, I think even Colin Trevorrow would agree that the sort of weaponized dino has sort of run its course because you're only just creating a sleeker and sleeker hot rod. You know, there's really. I think if you're just, if you throw like a Triceratops frill on it, you know, it's just, I think, you know, I think in in some ways, yeah, I think that's why weaponized dinos have kind of run their course, because you can really only just make it that, you know, Um, you know, you could throw a Dilophosaurus spitting thing on there too, or, you know, alien, I think, I think they're... I think they were just trying to make something that looked re you know, it's like, okay, but why makes, why use your imagination to make something that just looks like another real dinosaur. It doesn't look that different from, from a dinosaur that existed in real life. So I agree. I think it's a great question. I think it's a, why is it just that? But I think they're almost looking at it from the di- idea of a weapon standpoint of like kind of those subtle improvements and, you know, as in military planes or vehicles over the years or weapons even. So it's that kind of thing. And, I think with Blue, I think that's more of a Henry Wu question because it's like he's so a perfectionist. I think he's I don't think he's saying that he wouldn't necessarily use Blue's blood. I think he just in that moment is like, ugh, and then before he can actually do anything, then he gets nabbed by he gets jabbed by Franklin. And then but I don't think he wouldn't have used it. I think he just was irritated. I think he always wants things to go his way. And it's interesting because reading Claire's novel, there's a lot more of his character in there about that kind of fussiness and hating interns and stuff. And so, yeah, so I think that's, I don't think that they wouldn't have used blues blood. I think he just was annoyed. Um, so thank you, Renee. Thank you, Eli. Um, Kristen asks again from the first Kristen, she asks again, or asks a new question. How do you feel about the Island being gone? Tear emojis, lots of tear emojis. Um, I mean, it's sad. You know, I I definitely am, you know, there's still so much of Isla Isla Nublar I want to explore. And again, not to pump the book, not to pump the Evolution of Claire book again, but um, it has a lot of great stuff in it that makes me excited to be on that island again. Um, But in many ways, I, I kind of, I like the way they ended it. And I think, I think, it's time to get the people where the dinosaurs or the dinosaurs to be where the people are. I want to be where the people are. I want to s- eat them. Want to see them dancing, you know? So I, I think it was done really well, really poetically. I think I couldn't have asked for a better, uh, send off, you know, I mean, they could have just, uh, you know, there's part of me almost worried that they were just gonna be like, all right, volcano explosion bye." but this whole poetic brachiosaurus scene was so, was so beautiful that I just, am. um, I'm grateful that we got that i'm so i'm so happy for it it was so sad um and so sandy has a similar question um you know oh my god the scene looking back on the island as they left tear emojis thoughts on the ending and what that means for future films um i'm worried that they're gonna be mega cheesy or completely different and i just don't want the new movies to be bad Um, and then also she asked how about how terrifying this one. There's several times in the theater when I realized I was recoiling in my seat with a look of horror on my face. Um, and she says all the knots of the first JP were so good. And yeah, again, I have talked a little bit about it. I think again, I think, you know, I was talking to my dad about this a lot too because that was this, the last screening I saw was with him. We went to the original movie theater I went to when I grew up that we saw the original Jurassic Park at together, that we saw The Lost World together at, that I s- went and saw Jurassic Park 3 with my best friend from high school with. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know, I think... I, I just wonder... You know, and maybe I, I want your help with this, I guess, in the sense that what is these movies if they keep just having a park or a rescue, a park or a rescue, a park or a rescue? And I think, I guess for me, I mean, again, I, I'm not to say that, like, you should just accept Fallen Kingdom, you know, for what it is or whatever. I mean, if you don't like this movie, you don't like this movie. And I think that's great. I think you're, you, you know, I, I don't want to be somebody here who's like, oh, you have to like this movie or whatever. Um, I mean, I personally feel unabashedly in love with this movie, which is exciting because I think Jurassic World, as much as I like it, I feel like I really have to like work up the nerve to really defend it in 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 this similar kind of way. I think Fallen Kingdom I can really unabashedly say I love and I enjoy the, you know, it has a lot of faults, but I think overall where it's what it's saying, what it's doing Um, And how it's doing is really fun and and feels fresh to me. And that's exciting for me because we're always going to have Jurassic Park. We're always going to have Lost World. We're always going to have JP3. And I'm excited to celebrate its 20th anniversary when Jurassic World 3 comes out. So that'll be kind of a full circle moment. We'll always have Jurassic World. We'll always have Fallen Kingdom. And I'm just excited. I want more dinosaurs. I want more adventures with dinosaurs. And I want that to expand to be all kinds of things, um, whether it's on an island or not. So I think that's just kind of how I feel about it. And, you know, I think the comments from Colin Trevorrow about it, not about they're not being hybrids and about how the third movie is going to be more science than kind of action i think you know again i take these comments especially because they're so early in the process with a grain of salt but um those things make me think and i think just the way the movie went i just don't see them doing a world where dinosaurs are there's like a going to be an army of cg dinosaurs with machine guns i just don't i don't see that i you know maybe we see a dinosaur that gets like a cool robot arm that could be fun but uh i don't see them going that direction based on the ending of the movie um colette on twitter colette a on twitter ask what's the what's with the tapping um you know some people mentioned that's the reference to the raptor um in the original jurassic park how it would tap to sort of as it was thinking you know velociraptor like claw to the thumb or claw to the face um so and i you know so that was like a really nice nod to the original raptor um and then who is Lockwood's daughter? As Lockwood said, she'd visited the park before. Is that significant? And finally, who who left who? Claire Owen. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, obviously Lockwood's daughter is Macy, but original Macy. Curious if her name was Macy or if it's like this is Macy 2, you know, Macy 3, Macy 4. I mean, the biggest implication, I think, is that... Um, cause Hammond died in 1997. This movie takes place in 2018. So it's been almost 20 years and I bet my bottom dollar or at least what thematically makes the most sense. And I'll go into this more. Um, I think as I have my thoughts about it, but these are kind of my initial thoughts and I'd love to hear what you think of this. So if Hammond died in 1997, it's 2018 fallen kingdom. And I really believe that, Hammond and Lockwood's falling out happened before the events of Jurassic Park. So in 1993 or at least before, you know, it almost makes sense rewatching Jurassic Park. If you guys haven't gone back and rewatched the original movies, really go back and watch them. I, I think I'm going to do a Patreon episode where I kind of explain my, or just talk about my experience rewatching all the original movies, um, uh, rewatching all the original movies now that I've seen fallen kingdom. But um there's kind of a desperation with Hammond, you know, at the beginning of he he needs to get back on schedule. The investors are about to pull the plug on the whole park. The whole park over the death of one worker. There's so much corruption in this world from the Olympics to Trump that they're not gonna pull an entire billion dollar investment, multi-billion dollar investment in a dinosaur theme park just because one person dies. That's that I mean, that's science fiction that they would do that. And so My my theory is that um, Lockwood pulling out or, you know, them getting their split, I think really worried the investors. And I think that's what really caused um, in a way caused the trip to Jurassic Park that Grant and um, Sattler and Malcolm were on because it was Hammond's kind of last ditch effort to sort of save the park in a way because the whole Lockwood thing happened, him being disturbed by him trying to clone his daughter and then that also implicates that maybe Lockwood's been trying to clone Macy for over 20 years. So, you know, if you've seen Alien Resurrection, there's a scene, you know, where Sigourney Weaver's character Ripley is brought back from the dead, you know, hundreds of years later and they're trying to clone this this um this the xenomorph out of her, but then she goes into that room where she sees all the like you know, variations of her, the freakish, like aborted fetus looking versions and half dead versions. And it's like this kind of horror show. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe there's a closet in Lockwood's man, you know, manner that, you know, there's all the Macy one through seven kind of thing. Um, I mean, those implications are truly terrifying and that's what makes the line that Eli says, you know, you know, uh, you know, Hammond's right. Like what, what you did was an unholy thing. Like, I think that's such a, the implications of that are so terrifying. Um, But yes. So, so, and then to, to fully answer your question, you know, who was Lockwood's daughter? Because, you know, you know, she says, or he says she would have saved them all. And so I wonder if I I think that I don't think we're necessarily going to get that answer in any future movies, maybe, um, unless maybe that's what Jurassic world three is about kind of Macy discovering her legacy, Um, Or, you know, her past, um, you know, her past version or whatever, um, which would be kind of cool. Maybe you can even hear it. Like, I keep saying it's like you have all this audio of Sir Richard Attenborough from the Trespasser game that he recorded, all this original new dialogue and audio. I wonder if there was a way to repurpose that, like maybe she, you know, throws in a CD at like Hammond's old mansion or or finds, you know, something where you can kind of reincorporate some of Hammond's legacy into this and maybe why i don't know i'm just spitballing stuff at this point but um uh uh yeah i don't know um who yeah who is who is macy basically you know who who was original macy um and then finally who left who claire owen i think that's such a their chemistry was so good in this movie and i just love that idea and so maybe this will be a part where it ties into my thoughts about um That because you know, at first, I was kind of annoyed at the ending of Jurassic World after seeing Fallen Kingdom because it's like it ends with them being like, We're gonna stick together for survival, and then Fallen Kingdom opens with them broken up, and you're like, What the hell? Why do they do that? Why do they keep breaking up people just because it's the X Files all over again? But what I really like about their breakup, and I think that scene was great because it illustrates that they clearly still liked each other and they only broke up because of circumstance. And I think that is a much better way to break up people than to just break them up because of the will they won't they. I think the point was, is that they probably still would have been together, but they just needed to go on these separate journeys and then it brought them back together. And I think that, that made it better for me because it's like, they didn't just break up because they didn't like each other. They broke up because of other circumstances. And I thought that was really smart, um, overall you know it's still a little clunky but i i i can appreciate it um and then sabine oh sabina uh uh sorry sabina i was like remember my like thinking back to the um to patreon um she says, OMG, please talk about the visual parallels J, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom had to the original Jurassic Park movies and how sad was that one scene where the Brachiosaurus on the docks was and how it essentially was the death of the old guard, you know? And I think a lot of people have pointed out... Thanks, Sabina. I think a lot of people have pointed out that the first... You know, technically, the raptor in Jurassic Park—it's like you don't see it, but you see the eye and like a little bit of the tail and the claw and stuff. But like, really, the reveal first dinosaur in Jurassic Park is the Brachiosaurus, and to have that be the last dinosaur in Isla New Bar that's seen, I think, is just again very poetic and sad and and beautiful. Um, you know, and there's just so many great visual parallels. Again, I mentioned a little bit earlier, and as other people have mentioned, you know, the the dumb waiter thing, the tapping of the toes um i'm trying to think i mean obviously the ford explorer and the objects in the mirror may appear closer um you know stuff like that i just you know it's great i I think it's great i think i really want to do because i had originally planned to do a raptor reactions um where i talk about all the connections between i think i think i am going to do this i think this will be really exciting but I basically have rewatched all the movies and I kind of want to do how they all have connections to fallen kingdom kind of as like a fun comparison thing. So um I did that. I started that way back when I first started watching it. Gosh, it's already been like th- almost a month. Um But I think I want to do that. And I think that's where I can get into some really juicy stuff. Um, but yeah, there's so many great visual parallels. And I think in some ways there was more, there were stronger visual parallels in this movie. I think Jurassic world plot wise and kind of setting is very much, you know, feels like as some people said, like a soft reboot of Jurassic park. Whereas I think fallen kingdom in some ways is actually more of a true sequel. um, And in some ways pays more homage to the original Jurassic park. So it's like in many ways, Jurassic world and fallen kingdom are the true sequels to the original Jurassic park, as opposed to, the Lost World and JP3, which are kind of almost quaint sides, you know, those are almost like the Rogue One of of Jurassic Park movies, you know. But but rewatching The Lost World and JP3, I think there's a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting stuff when looking at Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom together. So I don't think they're necessarily, I, you know, I take back that whole thing about the Rogue One thing. I think they are very important in their own ways, but I think it's just it's so easy to see Fallen Kingdom as like you know, a true sequel to Jurassic Park in some ways, because it constructs all this kind of additional backstory that, you know, is, is clunky. I admit, and I, you know, I admitted it in the first one and it still, it still is, but I mean, they wanted to push the story in new directions. So I think it was, you know, ultimately I, I respect the choice, even if it wasn't done hundred percent perfectly. Um, so I have a couple more, these are all like screen grabs from Instagram. Um, so again, thank you everyone so far for your questions. This has been so much fun. Um, Jenny Gwinnett Gwinnon. Yeah. was, who is Macy Lockwood's mom slash clone? Um, well, yeah, it wasn't her mom. It was her, her, (coughs) excuse me. And yeah, I wonder if they're going to tackle this in the next movie or it feels almost like, because I don't know, you know, it's very, the fallen kingdom was very last Jedi ish in that sense that I love about it. Um, is this whole who is Macy Lockwood OG Macy Lockwood that almost feels like it could be its own novel in setting up this whole idea of her being cloned and and maybe she was a somebody who worked at the park and maybe sided with Hammond and then tragically died you know having a falling out with her dad which almost makes her him cloning her more tragic cuz they ended on bad terms you know i'm going to leave it at that let's just go with that Um, but yeah, I'm curious. I wonder if I, my gut tells me that it might be reserved for ancillary material and not for the movies. I think they're going to push forward. Um, dude, it's Roxy, Roxanne, uh, the wonderful Roxanne, uh, who has an amazing dress that she took from the Jurassic Park sheets, OG and, uh, made a dress out of it. Um, and again, how do you feel about all the callbacks to the originals? What were your favorites? Um, again, I think my, I mean, I like the toe tapping. I like having the Ford Explorer. I kind of wish they would have done more with it. Uh, so maybe it isn't my favorite. Like I saw some concept art from the entertainment weekly magazine of you actually seeing it look like blues nest, like Blue's been nesting in it in reference to the Mart Inglert, Inglert poster. Um, so, you know, I kind of wish they would have done more with it. Um, okay. That's not my favorite, I guess, but, um, you know, I don't, uh, you know uh life finds a way. well they didn't nobody said life finds a way but <laughs> um my favorite callback to the original like sp- excuse me specific callback i'm trying to think um i mean i think i think having um yeah i don't know that's a good question. I think what, like specifically, of the of I mean, I liked all the callbacks, but they weren't necessarily my favorite thing about this movie, if that makes sense. But, um, you know, I like, I like, I like the toe tapping. I think that was fun. Um, when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue Nile.com. You can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Yeah. Oh, uh, Derek W. Clem on Instagram says, who idea was it to reference bitter harvest by putting a John Deere hat on Bryce Dallas Howard? And what did it mean? Chemicals, poison cattle, science dinos, killing mass animals. Perhaps it's just a simple reference. I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah. She was wearing that John Deere hat to, you know, hide her ginger hair. (laughs) She's like, Oh, nobody will notice. It's me. If I put a hat on, it's kind of silly. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's wearing a John Deere tractor hat. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh well, I'm looking up. I'm looking this up on Google, and it's saying it's a reference to, it's a reference to Trump and stuff. I don't. I'm so. I'm I'm putting this out here, uh, Derek, because I don't. I clearly am not qualified to answer this question, but maybe. Um, But I think maybe one of our listeners, you know, one of, one of you guys are, one of you folks are, um, so yeah, turn it over to you. What do you think the John Deere hat means? Um, and then Jessica Cohen, Cohen on uh, Instagram says, what did you think of that ending that jumped the dang, uh, Mosasaurus? I just got home and I'm very like, what the fuck? Dinosaurs rule American, rule America now. I mean, I don't think they rule America again. I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I think the ending of the movie is much more symbolic than literal, and I think it's just exciting to see all the possibilities. I think it's just showing you the possibilities, and that's what I really like about it. Um, because I want to see people with dinosaurs. Um, somebody mentioned that Macy's, uh, uh, um, hoodie is a reference to E.T., and then also somebody else mentioned that the suburbs that Blue are kind of he's kind of or she, he. Jesus Christ, Stephen, um, it's it's getting to be over an hour, um, that the suburbs that blue that she's roaring over um, kind of look like the suburbs in E.T., and so I kind of love all those tunes, which made me think, like, you could totally see, like, you know, there's all these rumors of an animated TV show um, for Jurassic Park, um, and you could see it being like The Adventures of the Blue, where she's in the suburbs, and it's very Stranger Things, like, you know, obviously not, obviously I don't watch the E.T., but <clears throat> um, you know, where blue gets a raccoon friend and you know, they, they, they solve mysteries. So yeah, it's interesting. We'll see where it goes. We got three years, but I'm hoping we get some more like ancillary material, but I, I really hope we get more books. We get more tie in stuff. Cause uh, you know, I, I, I love this new world that they've created. So I hope we get to explore it more in between now and the next one. Um, So pizza face uh, with three Z's asks, uh, before the big reveal, who did you think Macy's mother was when her grandfather said that the park had been to Jurassic Park 1? I was racking my brain for a character we had met in other movies. Also, I can't remember the last time I cried so hard in a movie theater. The dinosaurs running for their lives was so sad to watch, specifically the Brachiosaurus at the end of the dock, and when it jumped up and mimicked the first dinosaur we saw in Jurassic Park. Yeah, so very sad. It's a very emotional Jurassic Park movie, which I was not expecting but loved. I loved that element of it again cause I love dinosaurs so much so it felt like the movie was kind of like I said in some of my original comments and reviews when I first saw the movie like this dino, this movie is about this movie's for people who are obsessed with dinosaurs and respects that obsession in a way where it's like from Russian military you know dealers to you know English children to you know people on the street in San Francisco and you know congressman everyone at least respects the existence of dinosaurs except for the president which was if you look at the little ticker tape on the bbc it says like president denies existence of dinosaurs which i think is funny but um yeah this movie for me felt like it was for dinosaur lovers for animal lovers and so um yeah, it's a very emotional movie. And yeah, who did I think Macy's mother was? I, I felt like when I was watching the movie the first time or two, I was like, forget Ray's, you know, who are Ray's parents? Who are Macy's parents? And I mean, that was such a great twist because, again, when you first when it first starts to hint at all that stuff, you're like, well, who could it be? Like, Obviously, the Jurassic Park movies aren't really about that kind of intrigue, you know, about that kind of personal angst, kind of. And so I was like, well it's not going to be like Lex or like, why is that? Why does that need to be a mystery? What does that add to the story? You know? But then when you see the twist, you're like, Oh yeah, it was dope. I liked it. I love it. Yeah. I'm interested to see if they do anything more with cloning humans or if it's just going to be more of a metaphor for kind of her connection with the dinosaurs. Um, Thanks pizza face. Uh, Gilded Kiwi. She says, my main question about fallen kingdom is did nanny iris make it out okay <clears throat> and i love this question because i have just this thought of like because obviously it was a post-credit scene but if they had a mid-credit scene i think it'd be hilarious if it's just iris you know dry like stopped out on the highway leaning leaning against her car smoking a cigarette and then she just sees all these dinosaurs run past and she's just like ugh, you know just like rolls her eyes like geraldine chaplin was so great in her little role um as the nanny and um it'd be cool to see more of her. I don't know in what capacity, but you know, and I don't think we will, but it'd be fun to to get something more of her in some capacity. I think that would be cool. Um so thank you, Gilded Kiwi. Um and then yeah, I think there's yeah, there's a couple more. Um again, thank you everybody. This has been so much fun. Um Pepper Ashley says, did you cry during the scene where the boat is leaving the island and the lonely Brachiosaur, using the Brachiosaur emoji, is watching them go? Saddest scene ever, in my opinion, and to make matters even worse. We then have to watch the sad Dano die in the lava. Fuck that so much. All the tears. Anyway, hi, Steven. Love the podcast. Um, uh, Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I didn't cry every time, but I definitely, there were certain uh, screenings where I definitely allowed myself to be more and not allowed myself, but I think just get, you know, you get caught up in the moment versus like, again, cause I, you know, there was no intention to see it this many times already. I, I felt very lucky that people wanted to see this movie with me. And so I didn't want to turn down those opportunities and it was great to just catch up with those friends. You know, my friend Stephanie who works for Frank Marshall and Matt Scavone, really talented artist, really good guy. Um, uh, you know, getting to see it with, um, Tom Jurassic, uh, you know, Tom Fishenden and Clayton Fioriti, you know, uh, you know, obviously having our big fun screening on Thursday and, and, um, seeing it with my dad, you know, it, it, every screening felt different to me. You know, I felt like I was in different settings, different theaters. And so some, you know, I'd say, I'd say about half, I, I shed some tears. So I also think baby blue is definitely tear worthy. Um, I think Macy pressing the button and her lines, you know, like me, like that was also, I, that really chokes me up too, you know? Um, so it wasn't just the Brachiosaurus. Um, uh, so thank you, uh, Pepper Ashley. And from Margaret Francis Seven, and it's funny, this is something that I've thought about from the very beginning, and we finally are talking about it, but Dr. Malcolm. So, do you think they shouldn't have shown Dr. Malcolm's part in the previews and instead saved it for a surprise when people saw the movie? For me, it was kind of disappointing that Dr. Malcolm was only in the movie for that one scene in the courtroom. And I agree. I think it's funny because Chris Pugh from Jurassic House and I were having these discussions before. Um, you know, way before the movie came out, when when it was first revealed that Jeff Goldblum was coming out. And I had this kind of bet that, you know, if they don't show Malcolm in the trailers, then that's the only scene he's in is in this courtroom. But if they do, maybe there's going to be more. And well, I was wrong, because really, it's the only scene he's in. Um, and I think it is a little disappointing in the sense that they that they showed it in the in the trailers and stuff. And they kind of You know, really used it for, you know, I think, you know, in some ways it's unfortunate because it does take a little bit of impact out of the end of the movie. And I think, you know, it almost took me one or two viewings for me to kind of really soak up that montage as its own thing, as opposed to thinking about it in the trailers and stuff. But I really stopped watching a lot of the trailers and stuff pretty you know, after that final trailer, I didn't really watch all the TV spots and stuff. So I kind of felt s- divorced from it a little bit, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just certainly would have, you know, would have appreciated it. And I think even, you know, J. B. And on Colin Trevorrow said, you know, it's like, it kind of sucks that they've had to use some of that end material, um, you know, for the trailers, like the Mosasaur and the in t- Rexy with the lion. So, um, uh, Oh, they're coming to get me. um, but overall, though, I'm actually fine with Malcolm's appearance in this movie. I think it made perfect sense. I thought he got he I think he did what he needed to do. And we got to see a Malcolm that was a nice amalgam of, um, you know, of witty, satirical Malcolm from Jurassic Park and then sort of more concerned and humbled Malcolm from The Lost World. I think it really was a nice continuation, but, you know, nice, if brief continuation of that character. Um, and I wouldn't have added any more of him. I mean, maybe one more scene either before or after the courtroom or, you know, just a little something, a little more indulgent taste. But, I mean, look, we could all use a little more indulgent taste of Jeff Goldblum. But I, I really liked his role and I was happy with how he was used. So I do hope he comes back. I think you could find more ways to use him and more ways to use original characters in the next movie. So we'll see. Bring back Sarah Harding. That's all I'm saying. Um, so thank you, Margaret Francis Seven on Instagram. Okay, last two questions. Um, um last question or okay, so from Bella, um, you know, in Bella Land on Twitter. Oh, hi Bella. Um she says re-watching the Jurassic Park films. It's interesting watching Wu get gradually less cocky and more just concerned because he's lost a sense of power with what's going on. Not sure if you feel this too. I think it's kind of interesting character development-wise. And yeah, it's interesting. I would say, you know, I think a lot of people have said, you know, Wu is kind of a non-character in Jurassic Park and then kind of pops up in Jurassic World as almost kind of, you know, at the top of his game. Um, And I do think there's this – but I do think rewatching it, I think there's there's definitely kind of a cocky – confident element where he kind of spars with malcolm a little bit in the original jurassic park and i think they really kind of tease that out slash using elements from the book using a lot of dialogue that he has with um hammond you know as kind of the underappreciated scientist they use that stuff in jurassic world to really great effect repurposed it in a way that made um, henry Wu a little more mustache twirling villain villain like and i think they just extended that i mean his line where you know um, you know, between that space between a wolf and a bulldog, you know, like it's not science, it's art, you know, and it's just like, oh, this is so good. Like, I love that so much. It's just so juicy. And, um, you know, Tom Fishenden makes up a really great point. You know, he is a villain, but at the, you know, kind of his last little bit in his last significant bit in Fallen Kingdom is kind of upset at Mills and Eversol for selling the Endoraptor because, it, he's almost realizing that like and bella like you're saying that like it's kind of beginning that it's kind of out of his grasp that you know he's also kind of a pawn in this game um this larger scheme and so yeah tom was saying it's like what if you know there's this element of you know what where's woo's character gonna go in the next one you know is he realizing that he's mess too much you know is he fl- flown flown too cr- uh, close to the sun you know or is he just gonna dub- double down you know um i think it's very interesting to see where he goes but he will be wearing a glorious turtleneck is all i know um and then the last question is from Lindsay blue and she said did you also weep in the theater during the dog scene with a long neck being left behind 100 uh yes um oh my gosh that's all the questions everybody thank you Where, man, this is the longest, I think this is the longest raptor reactions yet. Um, I highly recommend checking out the, um, I highly recommend checking out the, uh, all the dinosaur protection group stuff. Um, I think uh, if you're really curious to know what happened to Site B and all that stuff, I think that is really going to be essential because I think the movie just cinematically and thematically didn't want to deal with Sorna and I think it it acknowledges it, but it also you know, very briefly, but at the same time I just don't think it was interested. Um uh yeah, so I so I think if you're interested in learning more about the Sorna, what happened to Sorna essentially, I would go to the Dinosaur Protection Group. Um And also the uh, Evolution of Claire novel by Tess Sharp. I think it's really great. I'm almost done with it as of recording this. I'll probably finish it tonight. Um, uh, And yeah, I definitely think you should check that out. Um, It's also just a great book about Claire. Um, And also I wanted to read, or not read, but just point you in the direction of, um, and I'll post it in the group. Um, there was a Gizmodo article about the makers of fallen kingdom solve some of the film's biggest mysteries. So it's like, why did they decide to introduce human cloning? Um, yeah. And they just, you know, Trevorrow said they just wanted to talk about the larger impact of genetic power and potential human impact and the emotional impact, um, which I think was a smart move. Um, and, you know, I think it was uh, Clayton Fioriti who first mentioned where did Benjamin Lockwood come from? Because there is a line in the Jurassic Park novel where they talk about um, Norman Atherton, who was Hammond's other partner um, in the creation of Jurassic Park and cloning dinosaurs. So I think they probably just changed the name to kind of throw off the scent a little bit. Um and obviously there's all these other implications of like human, you know, they created a much more dramatic backstory, but I think that the nugget of that was taken from Crichton's original novel. And so I, I I'm not sure if Clayton was the first person to um, point that out, but um, his videos are really great on YouTube. And so you should check out his video on that. Cause it's just like a nice, that was the first time I'd heard it. And I was just like, Oh my God, that's so brilliant. What else could they take from the books that we haven't even thought of? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, What's Jurassic World 3 going to be like? Um, And so, you know, again, what I was talking about, um, you know, just about the idea of this kind of symbolic of all the possibilities. Um, And it's very interesting because Travaro said there's um, my goal with this trilogy is to when you reach the very end to have the first line that Claire ever says is Noah isn't impressed by a dinosaur anymore is to be proven to be completely false. So I think that's really cool. Um. Again, because I want people to love dinosaurs um, as much as I love dinosaurs, as much as we all love dinosaurs. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. So, uh, I'm excited to see where where the next three years take us. So, thank you everyone for asking questions. I really appreciate everyone writing in, commenting. Um, again, the C Dress Write Facebook group, C Dress Write podcast. If you want to join in on the fun. Um, thank you everyone for supporting the show so much. I really appreciate it. It's been so much fun. This whole month of Jurassic June has been so much bigger and so much more fun than I ever could have imagined. This really was the Jurassic June to end all Jurassic Junes. And I'm so grateful for everybody who was part of it. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to really kind of dig into that journey. Um, in my journey with Fallen Kingdom in episode 14, that's going to come out next week. Um, so stick around for that. That's going to be, you know, and I've been talking to people along the way, um, who've been sharing their thoughts and I want to hear your thoughts. What did you think of Fallen Kingdom? Um, give me a call again. You'll hear the number. You'll see the number shared, but call in, write in. People have already been writing in and calling in, but really let me know what you think of Fallen Kingdom. I really want to talk to you and hear what you think of the movie, whether you loved it, whether you hated it, what are the implications for the next one, all that good stuff, write in, call in, um i'm excited to hear from you um and also uh, um support on patreon um thank you everyone on patreon has been supporting me patreon.com slash C jurassic right lots of new goodies coming up there um let me know other things you want to hear about um i love doing these raptor reactions they're really fun just to kind of goof off so um but i think we had fun here today um so if you want to hear more of these other topics that you want to talk about again i really want to do these episodes where i just kind of draw the parallels between all the movies you know preceding fallen kingdom uh, from especially from the original three movies i think that'll be really fun and, and productive and stuff so um let me know what you think um you know life finds a way and uh welcome to jurassic world